The following message is from Westway Christian Church in Scottsbluff, Nebraska. If you'd like to know more about us, go to westwaychurch.com. Thank you for listening. If uh, we haven't met, I'm John. I'm one of the pastors here at Westway Christian Church. If you have a Bible with you, I would encourage you to open it to Matthew chapter 1. Uh, beginning at verse 18 to 25. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in a seat back around you. Um, We're also tonight going to have all of our verses on the the screen. One of the things that my son John and I like doing together is watching movies. And last week, we we re-watched the movie A Few Good Men. Now, if you remember that movie, it's a a military courtroom drama. And at almost 30 years old, uh, the, the rule of no spoilers is over, okay? If you haven't seen A Few Good Men by this time in history, whatever I say tonight, you're just going to have to accept. Um, Toward the end of this movie, Jack Nicholson's character is on the stand, and he's being questioned by Tom Cruise. And it's the you-can't-handle-the-truth scene, if you remember that movie. And in in his speech when he's on the stand, Jack Nicholson's character says this, We use words like honor, code, loyalty. We use these words as the backbone of a life spent defending something. You use them as a punchline. Well, over the past few weeks here at Westway Christian Church, we've been talking about words too. We've been talking about the words of hope and peace and joy. And our culture uses those same words during this season as the punchline of a cruel joke. And here's here's the setup question that our culture asks, what makes you happy? What makes you happy? And here's the answer that our our culture tells us. A new car. In fact, two new cars would really make you happy on Christmas morning. Money in your bank account makes you happy. Impeachment makes you happy. A Peloton, that would really make you happy. Your wife getting a Peloton, that would not make her happy. Your well-dressed and well-behaved children, for some of you, that would really make you happy this Christmas season. How about the affirmation and the approval of other people? Our culture says that makes you happy. And what happens is we get caught up in all of this, and we look to these kinds of things to provide us meaning and purpose in our lives. And maybe you don't believe that. Maybe, maybe you don't think that, that you look to those things to give you meaning and purpose. But I have a few questions for you if that's the case. How much time have you spent over the past few months in pursuit of the perfect gift? How about the perfect outfit for a Christmas Eve service? Obviously, I spent a ton of time on this shirt. How many of you have spent time looking for the perfect recipe for your Christmas meal? How much time have you spent making sure that everyone's schedule is perfectly aligned? And I just have a question for you. Is all of this flurry of activity providing the hope and the peace and the joy that your heart is really looking for? See, Advent, this season that we've been celebrating over the past several weeks here at Westway Christian Church and in many other churches around the world, Advent forces us to stop and ask the question, do you feel hope-filled? Do you feel at peace 
Do you feel at joy during this season? And I, I don't know about you, but, but I feel tired. That, that, would be the, that would be the single highest feeling that I currently am experiencing is tiredness, is exhaustion. And all month long, as we've talked about this series, you've heard me express my own anxieties and my own discomfort with the topics that we've discussed. And tonight's topic, the topic of love, is really no different. See, because in our culture, love is not just the ultimate punchline. In our culture, it's the ultimate joke. This is how our culture talks about love. If you loved me, you would let me. If you'd love me, you would buy this for me. If you really loved me, you wouldn't say or do anything that makes me feel uncomfortable. You would just leave me alone and let me do whatever I want. This is what culture tells us love is. You would just let me run my life my way. If you loved me, you'd leave. If you loved me, you would go into debt for me. You would buy me that new thing. And mom and dad, if you loved me, you would buy me that toy. You would buy me that tablet. You would buy me that phone. You would buy me that car. I wonder how many of you have heard that over the past couple days. If you really loved me, you would give me this. And honestly, this idea of love is doing nothing but creating anxiety in my own heart. Because how do you, how do you write a message about love? When, when you're feeling anxiety and anger towards people? How do you write a message for Christmas Eve and then give that message on Christmas Eve in the midst of wrestling with those feelings of anger for other people? This is real life. I cannot believe how difficult this particular message was over the past few days because of what's going on in my own heart towards other people. And God is shouting at me. He's telling me to look within. And, and this is how I've had to answer that question. How do I get through talking about love when I'm filled with anxiety and anger towards other people? This is how I've answered it. It's in Scripture. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take our, away our sins. See, this is this is what God's response is towards our sinfulness. Love is God's response to our sinfulness. Love is something that's given to us, and it's not in the form of a car or more money or a better spouse or obedient children or in a life of perfect autonomy where I can do whatever I want. Love is not a feeling. I had to wrestle with that today because I didn't feel love as I was finalizing tonight's message. Instead, I felt anger. See, love is a gift from God that deals with our real problem. And the real problem that we have is is the sin that permeates every facet of our lives. And it's this sin that's behind the discontentment that so many of us feel during this season. It's why tomorrow morning when when you open that thing, whatever that thing is, midway through the day, you're not going to feel satisfied. You're not going to feel content. It is this discontentment that drives our culture, and it's behind my own feelings of anger and anxiety. 
And it's only by focusing on God's gift, the love of God, that we can receive his love and that we can give his love. What is God's gift of love? Let's read Matthew 1, 18 to 25. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save the people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I want you to see that that God deals with the realities of our sin with a plot twist. Instead of, instead of coming in the form of a, of a powerful, worldly king, God's gift was an infant, born to an unmarried woman in a town that was so small that Melbita makes it look big. And this humility, this humility marked Jesus' entire life. Jesus would grow up and he would gain a following. And the people all around him would constantly project their ideas of hope and peace and joy and love on him. They would constantly want Jesus to fulfill their hopes and their dreams. And in their mind, this, this Messiah was a p- political king, was a political leader, was a military leader. And he was there to defeat the Romans and restore them among all the nations. And when Jesus failed to do this, when he did not live up to their hopes and their dreams and their aspirations, they killed him. And I think we often respond to Jesus in the exact same way. We place our hopes and our dreams on to him. We give him our hopes and our thoughts and ideas of peace and joy. We've convinced ourselves that if Jesus really loved us, that he would take care of all of our problems. If Jesus really loved us, he would give us more money, he would give us better health, he would fix my marriage, he would keep my kids from being disobedient, he would resolve all of those problems for me, and all we're doing is projecting our ideas of what a Messiah ought to be onto him. And when he fails to do those things, We ignore him. See, Jesus hasn't come to give us those things. Jesus has come to give us himself. And the question that we have to ask is, can we handle that truth? Can you handle the truth? See, words like hope 
and peace and joy and love are the backbone of Christianity because in each one of them we find a perfect example in Jesus Christ. Jesus has offered to every person in this room the one thing that we need the most, and that's him. That's himself. That's him as Savior. That's him as fixing our real problems. Because your lack of money isn't your real problem. It's not mine. You're out of relationship with your spouse isn't your real problem. The fact that your kids don't listen to you, which is humanity's problem, that's not your real problem. Our real problem is sin, and Jesus has come to deal with that problem. See, Jesus is our hope. This is what Paul said, that if there was no resurrection, then we are to be pitied more than anyone else on earth. Jesus is our peace. In fact, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is our joy. And Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is the strength for all of those who believe. See, Jesus is love. Jesus is the Holy One of God. He's paid for our sins, and when he comes back, he's going to make everything right. He's going to make everything new. He's going to bring a kingdom And as much as our culture encourages us to celebrate eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus in a manger, what we as Christians are really living in anticipation of is his return and the fulfillment of his kingdom. That's why we gather together. We don't gather together in the hopes that the Messiah is going to come one day and save us all. See, Jesus already has done that when he came as a child. We gather in anticipation that he's going to return. What I want to tell you tonight is is you haven't missed it. You haven't missed this opportunity to connect with this Jesus. And when he returns, you don't have to be on the outside looking in. This is what I would love for you to know tonight. This is what I would love for you to leave with tonight. More than anything else, I want you to know that you are loved beyond your imagination. I would like for you to know that you cannot out God's grace. And if that, sounds, if that sounds too fantastic for you, if that sounds too unreal, if that sounds too impossible to be true, then what I would tell you is, welcome to Christmas. I would tell you that you're starting to get the idea of just how great God's love is for us. There is so much love and peace and hope and joy for all of us, and it only comes from God. And my hope for you in in this Christmas season is that you would not settle for the cultural lie, but that you would seek out and find satisfaction in the one who can give you everything that you would seek out and find satisfaction in the one who has offered everything. Or you can just be satisfied with whatever you open tomorrow. And you can find a temporary, minuscule joy in that thing. Let's pray. God, we want to... We want to live in anticipation of your son, Jesus. We want to live in the hope of his return.
We want to find peace in his return. We want to find joy in his return. We want to see that when he does return, it will be because he is love. And he is giving that and he's offering that to us. God, for those of us who are caught up in in the cultural lies, that satisfaction is found in things. I pray that we would see them for what they are. And that we would accept what you have so generously given to us. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.